I'm standing in the pulpit and says the truth because I hope you think everything I say up here is the truth. But this is the truth. It really is. I knew this crowd was going to be small today. I've been hearing so many people this week. Families here, families leaving, families coming, families going, all kinds of things, this and that, every kind of thing. I'm gone. I'm not, I'm not going to get back. Texts coming in this morning. Uh, but I knew it early in the week. It's going to be small. Thanksgiving weekend. And and people are off from, the kids are off from school all week, and, and this is a long weekend, and they take advantage of it. And I understand that. I, and I don't ever object to people not being with family. I don't, I don't criticize that. I'm happy that people can do that. Maybe we can afford to do those kinds of things. But I'm going to tell you, this is what I was going to say. I didn't put anything, I, I didn't put any less into this message today. I didn't do any less studying. I didn't do any less praying. I didn't do any less preparation. And if I thought there was only going to ten people here, I would have done everything I did, just as I did to prepare to preach this message. And I say that by way of telling you that I believe I have a word for and, and if you'll permit me, because this service is a little bit different today, things are kind of shorter than they were. I seem like a little bit longer since I've been having to do all the talking, but, but it, it really isn't. But but uh, but it's extremely important that, that I have you know, that you understand, that, that and it's not because of me. I have a hesitancy to say something sometimes because I... I don't want you to think I'm trying to boost me. I've told God I don't want any glory or anything that may happen. I don't, I'm not looking for gold or glory. I'm just looking to look for a way to honor the Lord and walk with Him and please Him. But there are things that the Lord has shown me in a different way, in a different light. I'm not telling you that there's a new revelation. I'm just simply saying God has shed new light on things that I have never seen before. I'll just give you one single example. And, there, and the examples are really abundant. I'm saying this to say that I want you to recognize that you hear the Word of God presented here with an anointing that the Holy Spirit gives, and it's unique to Him. It's God's Word. Not ours. It's not what I achieve. It's what the Lord's doing. Last Sunday morning, I told you, not last Sunday because I wasn't here, the Sunday before that. The Sunday before that, I preached on overflowing praise. And the Lord showed me something that I had never seen before. I've asked several people since then, have you ever heard anybody teach this or preach this? And everybody I've asked when I said, no, I, I never heard that before. Some people had heard me preach it, and some people didn't hear me preach it when I asked them about it. But I just didn't know. I knew that I'd never heard it before. I know I'd never heard it taught, never heard anybody preach on it. When Jesus entered Jerusalem at the triumphal entry, and the Pharisees said, stop these people from praising you. Tell them to be quiet. They're claiming you're the Son of God. Stop that. Ask them to quit. And Jesus said, well, if I did ask them to stop, the rocks themselves would rise up and praise me. Now, I wondered about that for a long time. I have never in all my life seen a rock praise God. I've seen some people that acted like rocks praising God. I've never seen a real rock open up and praise God. Never saw it. And I wondered about that. When is that? When is that? And then the Lord showed me for that message two weeks ago. I, I read, I was, I, the connection was only made by the Holy Spirit. I didn't read it, plan it, didn't know it. I've never heard anybody say it or teach it or tell it before. But then the Lord showed me 
that when Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake. Remember I, I said this? And in the earthquake, in Matthew says, and the rocks split. And the indication is that the reason the centurion and the Roman soldiers confessed Jesus was the Son of God, which was an outlandish thing, that was a real praise to God. That these heathens would start saying, He is the Son of God. This man we crucified is the Son of God. And the evidence to them was not anything that happened with him hanging on the cross, the darkness and all the signs, yes. But when the earth started to tremble and the rocks split, they knew something divine was happening. And that evidence caused them to say, He's the Son of God. Caused them to praise and glorify Him as the Son of God. Jesus said the rocks were praising just within hours from the time he said it, within days, I should say, within a few days of the time he said that, the rock split on Calvary's hill, and the Roman soldiers started to praise him by declaring that he is the Son of God. Now, I had never seen that before, never taught it before. In all the years that I preached and taught, I had never taught it before. I never taught much about the rocks praising him because all I could say is the rocks of the creation is going to praise him. I didn't have any insight into it, but the Lord gave me that insight. I could tell you several other things just like that. And I'm saying that I hope to prepare your hearts to receive some things that God wants to use to, to really challenge your life. It isn't enough, my friends, in these days. It is not enough for us to just go through the routine of, quote, being Christians, unquote. Just going along our routine showing up, doing the things that we think we're supposed to do, saying the things we think we're supposed to say, and what other people expect us to do and say, that isn't enough anymore. That isn't enough today. We're under attack in this world and in this nation. We see it in the world more than we see it in this nation. But it's because it takes a different form in the world. In the world, there are people out killing people because they're Christians, cutting their heads off because they're Christians. It's spilled over here. There's some places that people have been shot, and they were asked if they were Christians. If they said they were, they were shot. If they didn't, they passed by them. That happened in one of the shootings here in this country. We, God's people, are under attack, and the enemy's design is to destroy us. It's his purpose to destroy us. It's his goal to destroy us. He wants to destroy the church. I'm going to say some things about that in the course of this message today. But what God is looking for today is people who are enlisted in his cause, who are committed to his cause, as soldiers are committed to winning the battle. Do you know, and I, I, let, me, let me pause a moment and digress to say, Please don't take anything I say today as being political. I'm not campaigning for anybody who's running for president. All right, campaigning, I'd probably be campaigning against all of them, but that's not the story. So I'm not campaigning for anybody who's running for president. I'm not, I'm not exalting the Republicans and putting down the Democrats. I'm not exalting Democrats and putting down Republicans. I'm not saying anything political today. If you want to take it political, you're entitled to do that. That's not the way I mean it. But I am going to say some things that I believe are truthful and factual and that I think we need to know. And so I'm going to do that with all my heart, trying to say it from the Scriptures 
and what I see as the evidence of the Scriptures being fulfilled today. God's looking for people who are sold out to Him. Anything we're sold out to Him. He'll let us come along if all we're going to do is ride on the tail end of the wagon and drag our feet in the dust as we move along. He'll let us come along. But what He's looking for is people who will stand up in that wagon and shout the glory of God as it moves on down the road. God's looking for people who are sold out to Him. And I will tell you this. There's no, there's no war that this country has ever fought, ever will fight, maybe fighting now. There's no war that the military of this country cannot win. I don't care who it's against. Every, it, the, the difficulty and the reason it can't happen is because the politicians hold them back and restrict them. They may call it rules of engagement. It doesn't matter what name you put on it. They're restricted in what they can do. And if they were allowed to go in and win the battle, about everything that's going on right now, they could take care of it in short order. Now, you may sound like that sounds like boasting on the United States. And if it, and, and if it is, so be it. I'm telling you the truth. I, think they, I, I have no doubt about it. If anybody wanted to stop the radical Islam movement, you might be able to change people's minds, but you can sure stop the killing. But if you go over there and say, well, we're, the, and I heard somebody in the Defense Department say this just in the last few days. Well, we could do more. Our bombing could be more effective, but we, we've decided not to bomb the, uh, the refineries. There are certain places that we won't bomb. Not sacred places now, but places that the oil would be disrupted. And, but, but we don't want to harm the environment. Whoa. First time I'd ever heard that. Let's don't fight too hard. Let's don't try to win. Let's don't try to kill the enemy because we might harm the environment. Well, then I learned why. And I, and I felt really apologetic about it, ashamed almost, and I learned why. Then I learned the reason for that is the greatest threat to our freedom, the greatest threat to our nation is climate change. When I learned that, then that made it all. Well, I don't get confused. Now, they used to call it global warming. That didn't work out. So they changed it to climate change to cover whether it gets cold or warm, whichever way it goes, they're covered. But it's getting pretty popular right now to believe that that is the greatest threat that we face. Is there anybody here who believes that? so outrageously stupid it's hard to even talk about it with a straight face. So, so here's the calling of the soldiers of God. This is where the Lord has said he wants us to be. Second Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read the verses, verse 4 and then verse 3. So 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. That's the status of a good soldier. And then the third verse just before that says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He's looking for soldiers. 
who will not become entangled with the affairs of this life, who will not let themselves be caught up in the culture of this age, who will not let themselves be persuaded by the educational pursuits and by academia who tells us that nothing in the gospel is true. It's all a myth and all a fable. He wants us to take a stand against this culture and for righteousness and for the word of God. And it's a hard thing to do. You see, you haven't been caught in that place yet, perhaps. But when you get caught in that place, in that trap that the devil tries to spring on your life, you'll see the value of knowing that you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to take a stand for God. I, I have... I, when I talk about things that I'm going to say right now, I, I am not, um, I'm not uh, criticizing people. You'll just, you'll just have to take it for what it is and understand that my motives are pure. But Paul warned us as he taught the Ephesians that we are to put on the whole armor of God. We are to put on the whole armor so that we will be able to stand against the attacks of the enemy that he brings against us. And it doesn't mean necessarily that somebody's out there trying to arrest us and throw us in jail and hold us there. Not in this country. But there is an attack nevertheless that sometimes is so insidious, undercover, underhanded, that we fail to see it. And we fail to see it because it's cloaked in other things that may be good things, and it appeals to our good nature. But this, but this the apostle said, as he taught the Ephesians, and, and thereby taught us as well, that we're to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the wiles or the plans, the machinations, the endeavors of the enemy that he wants to bring against us, to attack us with the culture where we are living. And he told us that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is not a battle that can be won with, 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 with hand grenades and rifles and cannons and bombs. There are some things that can be done with all of that that I referred to moments ago. But that's not the battle that you and I are in. That's not the spiritual battle that we're in. We're in a battle against the plans of the enemy that he has planted deviously in the minds of leadership and cause them to lead people astray and, and cause people to believe that those things that will weaken this nation, which is a bastion of freedom, that will weaken this nation and disintegrate its foundations, are good things. Trying to persuade us that those things are good things. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places, is what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. And that spiritual wickedness in high places can be the enemy inheriting the heavenly worlds, but it also may be people, and I believe it is to a great extent, people who are in positions of high authority, who are being used by the enemy to thwart God's plan for this culture and thwart the purpose of God. And, 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 and I'm not saying good or bad it, about any of these things other than I'm just calling them to your attention. Things that have changed this country, things that have made people think differently, television. And it isn't that television's bad. I spend a lot of hours on it doing TV programs. It can be used for good, and it's being used for good by a lot of, for a lot of things. 
but it also is used for bad. And there's some things on TV that 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 ought not to be a part of the upbringing of children and grandchildren in your homes and your families. If you if you don't think that the culture of this world is being changed by the music that's being sung today on the radio, seen on TV, it is, it is the popular thing today when music awards are given to see who can come the closest to being nude without getting arrested. I didn't go try to find that out. It assaulted my eyes. I couldn't help but see it because it's all over everywhere you look. I don't look at any of those programs. I don't know who won the whatever awards they gave out. You know, pink flower for whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't know who won any of the awards. I didn't watch them. But I did see some of the results of it because they like to put out there in the headlines. So if you go on the Internet and you may be checking your email, you're going to find, oh, look how um, Lady So-So, whatever, whoever they are, any of them, look what they did when they came to the awards. Ooh, wow. And those are the ones that they really like to highlight. I'm trying to find out a way to get to some places that I need to get to on the Internet without having to go through some of the other things. <laughs> I haven't learned it yet. But... But that, is a, but that is an attack on our culture. It's an attack on our faith. It's an attack on the morals and the standards, and the spiritual life that we want to develop in our families. If you don't think you need to guard your children in every way you can to build a hedge around their minds, around their hearts, and teach them the Word of God and spiritual life in your family and pray, then you are totally misguided, and you're misguided in your children and your grandchildren not to do everything that you can do. I know some things are not in your control, but anything that is in your control, you need to have a standard and hold it up. And soldiers of God will do that. Soldiers of God will do that. And we're not alone. You know, the good thing is we're not, we're not alone soldiers standing out there fighting the battle. We're in an army. We're a gathering of the soldiers of the Lord. Hallelujah. A collection of God's people. And we're not a defensive army either. We're not, we're not somebody here sitting trying to, just trying to hold on until we get across the river into heaven. Or to Jesus. Just, you know, the picture that we want to convey sometimes is we're holding on by our fingernails, by the skin of our teeth. I'm not sure what that means, but I've always heard it. Just holding on, just barely surviving. And no such thing is true. The Bible teaches us the very opposite of that. The Bible teaches us that in spite of everything, in spite of fiery trials, in spite of complications, in spite of temptations, in spite of difficulties, in spite of hardships, we are winning in the battle of the Lord. And we will survive, not only survive, but we will survive victoriously. We're not a defensive. You know, there, there's a song. I used to really, really like this song. And then I turned on it. Didn't like it. And then I started sort of liking it again. It's, it's a song. The name of it is Hold the Fort. You ever, have you ever heard that song years ago? Hold the Fort for I am coming. Jesus ignorance Wave the answer back to heaven. By thy grace we will. Hold it on. Just, but it's, it gave me the impression just, just barely holding on. Oh, 
Jesus, hurry up. If you don't hurry up, Lord, we're going to sink. Bad off as the disciples out on the water. If you don't come in a hurry, Lord, we're going to sink beneath the waves. Not like that anymore. That's a defeatist thought, concept, idea. God's plan is our plan to lift us up into victory. And so here's what that psalm says. Oh, my comrades, see the signal waving in the sky. Reinforcements now appearing. Victory is nigh. Nothing wrong with that. But then the second verse says, See the mighty host advancing. Satan leading on. Mighty host led by Satan leading on. Mighty ones around us falling. Courage almost gone. I'm so sad my courage is almost gone. Hold the fort, Jesus said, for I'm coming. Oh, hold the fort. Hurry up, Lord, we can't hold out much longer. I don't find that is where my experience in God ought to be. I don't find that that's what my standing ought to be. Paul wrote, and Paul was a great conqueror. He may have died at the executioner's hand, but he died under the hand of God. He said, we're more than conquerors for them who loved us. We're victors. We're not defeated. We're winners in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. And so, so, but, but, so when I got to that verse, you know, when I read that verse, that's what turned me against the psalm. And it's, 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 my apologies to the man who wrote it. If he left that one verse out, the rest of it would be okay. The rest of it says, see the glorious banner waving, hear the trumpet blow. In our leader's name we triumph over every foe. I like that. Glory to God. Then he said, fierce and long the battle rages. And yes, it does. But our help is near. Jesus is near. Onward comes our great commander. Cheer, my comrades, cheer. Glory to God. There's victory. So I, so I, I, this is what I decided I'd do so I could like the song again. I'm taking out the second verse. Because, because you see, we're not we're not on the defense. Some have it's a mighty men around us fallen. Well, some have fallen. Yeah, that's happened through the ages. Some have fallen, but some of us are still standing. After all this time, after all these years, some of us are still standing. Yeah, sure, some have quit. Some have, but many of us. We'll never quit. We will stay the course, and we will finish strong. We may have been knocked down, but we got up. And if he knocks us down again, we're going to get up again. Because we're winners in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We're on the offense. We're not defending the fort. We're on the offense against the onslaught of the enemy. Jesus was discussing with the disciples who men said he was. Peter made his great confession, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus commended him and said, The Holy Spirit has revealed that to you and caused you to know that. And he said, I'll build my church upon this rock, upon this rock of testimony that I am the, that I am the Son of God, the Christ of glory, the Messiah of Israel. I'll build my church on that rock. But he said, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, the gates of hell, think of it. You know, gates are usually put up 
to keep people out. That's why you have a gate to keep people out. People you don't want in, put the gate. You lock your door. You shut them out. Put up a gate. Well, I don't know if anybody's trying to get through to get to hell, so they've got to put up a gate to keep them out. I mean, I've, so I, 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 I looked at that, and I, I, I prayed about it. I knew, it, I knew it was not a defensive statement, but what in the world could the, be the... But here, here it is. Let me share it with you. Well, I think the Lord showed me an understanding about that. The gates of hell will not prevail against them. The gates of hell are there not to keep people out, it's to keep people in. He wants to build a gate around your life to keep you absorbed in the work of Satan, in the work of the devil in your life. So that he has access to you with his plans, with his purposes, with his machinations designed to keep you away from God. That gate's up there to keep you in the hellish environment that Satan produces. Not to keep you out. And it has a good background. No matter what they said in the communist era when the Berlin Wall was up, they said it was to protect the people in East Berlin, but let anybody from East Berlin try to leave, and they got shot. That wall was up to keep people in until finally, under the leadership of great men in this country, that wall came down. It was torn down. And so now there's free access back and forth. So when Satan puts up a gate to keep you in, God has a way of taking that down and destroying it and giving you access to move about in the freedom of the will of God and the purpose of God and the plan of God for your life. I could go on about those gates that are put up to keep people in. It may not be a literal wall. You know, we're talking about we're talking about putting up a fence to keep people out. That's one issue, but there are also people in this world today who are still holding on to Gates locking them and reinforcing them, trying to keep people in. Cuba's an example of it. Just one. That's an example of it. They, you know, they have a, a system, so you have to go through, as governments do, you've got to, you've got to get permission. With us in the United States, it's a passport. Maybe it's a visa to the country you want to go to if it requires that. But we have free access to go and come. People in Cuba don't have that. Because that system is used as a gate. It's not to keep us out, because they'll let us come in because we'll spend our dollars there. But it's to keep people there, keep them in, because most of them want to get away. So, there are gates to keep people in and gates to keep people out. This gate of Satan's kingdom, the gates of hell, that's to keep people in. He wants to lock you up in unbelief. He wants to lock you up in defeat. He wants to lock you up to destroy you and bring your life into the area of destruction, keep you out of the area of victory. But the good news is this. Jesus said that my church will stand, my church will be built, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We come against the gates of hell today. Tear down the gates of hell in your life so that you can be free and be victorious and be an overcomer in the name of Jesus. And you can be, you can be if you trust him to bring that into your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, I said. 
And here's the other thing. Paul wrote a great, powerful truth when he, when he wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter. He was justifying his ministry and how the Lord worked through his ministry. He was really lifting up himself so the people would believe him and receive his message. And this is one of the things he said, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the tearing down of strongholds, because the gates of hell shall not prevail. We are able to tear down the gates of hell because we have weapons that are not carnal, not fleshly, not material, but are spiritual. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood trying to tear down literal walls and gates. We're wrestling against the spirits of the enemy. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can tear down those walls, tear down those gates, and have victory for people not to be locked behind the secure, safe, or safe for Satan, keep them safe in the hands of Satan, but liberate them and let people walk free in the power of God. We have weapons. We have weapons to tear down the strongholds of the enemy. Let me read to you. Let me just read to you from the Scripture what it says. This is what the English Standard Version says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Hallelujah. And then the national, NIV, the, the international version says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's the power the Holy Spirit's put in us. The Amplified Version puts it this way. This is, this is strong. The Amplified Version says, The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Glory to God. That's the spiritual weapon that God has given us to battle with. And then the, 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 new, the newer language, the New Living Translation says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. And that's what the enemy uses, human reasoning, false arguments, presented as truth. Human reasoning, false arguments. The greatest danger we face in our country today is climate change. That's an example of what I'm talking about. Human reasoning, fallacious. But yet, in trapping people, we come against that in the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal truth and to state facts. So, so, so you, you don't have to be arguing about that. I'm not suggesting it. I'm suggesting if you know people who, who, who are caught up in that, who need to learn better, pray for them and find an opportunity to say something powerful to them that the Holy Spirit gives you to say. Let the Lord give you something to say. Because we are going to destroy... We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. This is what the fifth verse says, the next verse after what I just read. It says, we destroy arguments that other people are making, arguing fallaciously against the power of God. And every lofty opinion, highly placed people with wrong opinions, we destroy them. All, everything that is raised against the knowledge of God, we come against it and destroy it because we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We have the power to overcome the thoughts the enemy plants in the minds of people. 
if we will let the Holy Spirit speak through us, let the Holy Spirit do His work, let the power of God be what brings the answer. The Amplified Version says this, For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. Hallelujah. If you're born of God, you're an overcomer. That's what he says. And this victory that has conquered and overcome the world, our continuing, it is our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. So what is the victory? Where is the victory? Where does the victory lie? It lies in our constant, continuing, persistent faith in the Son of God. What he said is true. What he declares is valid. What he proclaims is, is legitimate. Everything that he has said is true. And what he says he will do, he will do. We can stand in the power of God, in the authority of the Holy Spirit, and challenge anything, anything that the enemy brings against us that he tries to overthrow the work and the plan of God. We are authorized in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we are his, to stand against those things and to win the victory, win the battle, and overcome. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to verify just one more thing, if you permit me. My time is up, although it's early today. I've preached. So sometimes I, I just say things like this so you'll know that I know. It's time for me to stop. But I'm going to tell you something else that's going to help you. I said that the, I said that I, the church today is, is under attack. It isn't anything to what it's going to be. And it's the culture of this age that's promoting this attack. I, I want to say, particularly, I, I have nothing against any homosexual individual. I was asked a question the other day by another pastor, what I thought about homosexuals going to heaven. And I told him, I believe they can go to heaven. I don't think they can go to heaven practicing homosexuality, but I think they can go to heaven there's that inclination there, but I'm not going to get into all of that, but I'm just going to simply say, I I'm not, so I'm not, I'm not saying this to be mean-spirited in any way whatsoever. I'm saying this to sound a warning that we need to hear. If you think that the reason some baker got called on to make a wedding cake for a homosexual wedding and couldn't do it because of their faith, you think that just happened because they happened to walk into that shop you're a very naive person. They found that people and picked them out and brought it into challenge. Put the law on their side to build support for their agenda. And the agenda has been gaining support because it's been presented as civil rights. Everybody is entitled to love whoever they want to. That's, that's a right that we have in this country. Of course, the same people don't think we ought to have the right of free speech when... when uh, try to present an idea that's not in accord with them, and they want to shut you down and, 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 and not only challenge your thoughts, but they don't have an argument against it. They just want to shut you down and, and make it so you can't speak. That's what's going on in this world today. But, but these people who have come under attack because they don't want to participate, I got to thinking about this. We're, we're putting guards up in our church as we possibly can. So we've so we got an answer, appropriate. Let's just suppose that 
that you have this. Are you a Christian now who has a florist? Or a bakery? Or a beauty salon? And, and they decide that in Fleming Island they're going to have a celebration of the black mass. It's going to be big. of Satan there. We're going to have the people that are there singing. I don't know what they would sing, but whatever. I'm sure there's some devil song they can sing. So, so we're going to have a big celebration down here in the uh, in the parking lot, the biggest single gathering area, I guess, in front of the window. So we're going to have a, we're going to have a gathering of the Satanists of Clay County. And we want flowers across our black altar. See, now let's find a Christian forest And we want to, we wanna, when it's all over, we want to serve everybody cake and coffee. Let's go find a Christian baker and make them bake our cake. If you don't think this is the way it's planned, friend, you need to get in the real world. They didn't just walk in there and have to come across a Christian and said, I'm not going to do that for a homosexual wedding. They checked out and found out somebody wouldn't do it. So they could make a statement of the cause. And then the law and the government backs it up. Because the requirement, now listen, this is important. Because the requirement of the law is greater and stronger than the Constitution which says you have the right to practice your religion. They say. That's what I'm telling you. That's the culture that has to be stood against. That's the culture that we have to oppose. That's where we have to hold a standard and say this cannot be. Now, Again, this is not to be negative toward any individuals. We should love all people. And I love you. I'm not talking about homosexual right now. I'm just talking about I love you. I don't like everything you do. I don't like some of the things I hear that you do. I don't like some of the things I I hear on Facebook. I don't like some of the things that somebody says I saw. I know it's on and on and on. You see what I'm saying? Don't start feeling guilty. But there are a lot of those things that, that I, I don't want to see your picture in the paper. You got arrested last night. If you did, I'm glad you got bailed out and had to get here to church this morning. I, I don't want to see that. But if I do see that, and I have, and all these things I mentioned to you, I, they're, they're, I'm not making them up. They're all real. But it has not called me to stop loving anybody. I'm going to love you in spite of what mistakes you made. Be responsible. I'm going to love you anyway. Now, I've preached in this place. You can't stop me from loving you. Remember that? <laughs> you can't stop anybody from loving you. No matter what you do to them, you can't stop them from loving you. So I'm going to love you no matter what you do. I'm not going to like it. I'm going to like that you do it. If you come and talk to me about it, I'm going to tell you it's wrong. You may not like that either, but I'm going to tell you anyway. If it's wrong, if it's wrong and it's according to the Bible, it's wrong, I'm going to tell you it's wrong. I'm not going to change my mind just because it's you and just because I love you. I'm going to tell you the truth anyway. In fact, if I tell you the truth, it shows I love you. If I don't tell you the truth, it shows I don't care much about you. I'm going to tell you the truth. So this world that we're living in today is a, is a, is a cultural attack, not against this, this church, but against the kingdom of God and against the work of God in this world today. That's something that we need to be aware of, and we need to participate in standing for victory in the Word of God and the 
power of the Holy Spirit, and let it be known what our standards are. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. So if you go out and tell wrong things, if you quote what I said, be sure you say it just like I said it. I'll stand behind what I said, but I may not stand behind the way you tell it that I said it. I've had <laughs> tell, tell somebody to go listen to it on the Internet. They never exactly what I said. And, and, and I don't mind it. There'll be people who disagree. They'll disagree vehemently with things that I've said in these last few minutes. Call me a homophobe. Call me a rascal. Call me somebody who doesn't love people. Preaching, preaching hate. Speaking hate. Bitch. Hate words. Call it anything you want to call it. It doesn't matter. You, not you. Other people. It doesn't matter what it's called. What I call it is truth. And that's all I know to tell you is the truth. Soldiers of the cross. Soldiers of the cross. We're in a battle. But this battle will be won in the power of the Holy Spirit. It will be won in the victory of the Lord because he's promised us victory. And we're going to overcome in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody stand with me, please.